The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Ron DeSantis has suspended his campaign for president. Ed Baxter with that story and more from San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, that's right, Brian, and we're going to cover it, too. Uh, There were two now for the GOP. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. Running out of time, polling very poorly. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. And Bloomberg's Laura Davison is in New Hampshire for the Tuesday primary and says that his campaign, well, they just knew it was time. Getting out now helps him uh, both preserve his uh, political career going forward. DeSantis is a young guy. He's in his 40s. Um, so this would either help him, you know, kind of set his sights uh, on 2028 um, or some other um, national job um, going going forward. It's also possible he could uh, be uh, uh, potentially set himself up for a, a job in a Republican administration, um, though that is not clear kind of what that would look like yet. All right. So it leaves Trump and Haley, and Haley is out swinging today. She's questioning Trump's mental fitness. The latest comes with him trying to tie her to the January 6th insurrection, confusing her, presumably, with Nancy Pelosi. Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people, soldiers, National Guard, whatever they want. They turned it down. Recently, there have been multiple things. I mean, he claimed that Joe Biden was going to get us into World War II. I'm assuming he meant World War III. He said that he ran against President Obama. He never ran against President Obama. He says that I'm the one that kept security from from the Capitol on January 6th. I was nowhere near the Capitol on January 6th. Haley on CBS has heard on Bloomberg. Trump still has a huge lead in New Hampshire. We will have full coverage on Tuesday. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected what he calls unacceptable terms presented by Hamas for a new hostage deal. He says Hamas is demanding an end of the war and withdrawal of forces from Gaza. He says if he were to agree to that, uh, Israeli soldiers would have fallen in vain and uh, the next October 7th would only be a matter of time. Meanwhile, in the Middle East, U.S. Central Command says some American soldiers are being evaluated following a large missile attack by an Iran-backed militia in Iraq. NSC official John Kirby. It's only a very small number of uh, U.S. troops that were affected. Uh, They're being seen for traumatic brain injuries uh, with uh, some symptoms of concussions. And Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer on ABC has heard on Bloomberg says the U.S. is holding Iran responsible. We have held Iran responsible for this in a number of ways. Uh, First and foremost, we have taken military action against sites in Iraq and Syria that are also tied to the IRGC, uh, which supports these militias. We have said quite clearly that we hold Iran responsible uh, for the groups, the proxies uh, that uh, that it supports and that it provides weapons to. And says the U.S. will continue to attack Houthi bases in an attempt to cut their ability to carry carry out the attacks. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. All right, Brian. 
And yeah, thanks very much. Six minutes here past the hour. Nice to have you with us on this Monday morning. Coming up over the next hour, key interviews here live on the program with the DeSantis pullout with the Israeli-Hamas conflict and also how the markets are setting up as we get started here in the new trading week. Now it's time for the top business stories of the hour. Well, three Fed officials are emphasizing that it's incoming data that will guide their decision on when to cut interest rates. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly noted that There just is not enough evidence that inflation is going to stay down. We don't want to loosen policy too quickly, only to find that inflation gets stuck at way above target. That would be a miss. That would be a very scarring miss. And we don't want to try to get to two so quickly, like overnight, just to get that squeezed out, that we end up having this big run up in the unemployment rate. That's Mary Daly. In the meantime, Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic, while open to changing his economic outlook, still thinks the first rate cut will not be until the third quarter. And Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsby has a slightly different position, saying officials should consider cutting interest rates as inflation falls to avoid being uh, having policy be too tight. Doug? Well, in terms of uh, key data points this week that may influence the Fed's decision on Thursday, it's the government report on fourth quarter GDP. Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini has a preview. Economists project the government's initial reading of fourth quarter gross domestic product to show an annualized 2% increase. That's after a 4.9% third quarter advance for the measure of goods and services produced. The two numbers together would make it the strongest back-to-back quarters of growth since 2021. That might have you worried about inflation. We have more on that coming as well. Friday, we'll get a read on the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. The government's personal income and spending report is seen showing underlying inflation rose 3% in the year ending in December. That would be an 11th straight month of slowing annual price growth. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Radio. And as we heard from Doug Christner, it's another busy week for earnings in the United States. Let's get a preview here from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. We'll be hearing from companies across a broad swath of industries amid questions about how firms and their customers have dealt with high interest rates. Emily Rowland is co-chief investment strategist at JH Investments. So what companies are dealing with now, of course, is a much higher cost of capital as rates have gone up at the same time that revenue growth is shrinking. So those margins are really getting challenged here. And the key for companies from here is who can manage that best in an environment where it's going to become a lot more difficult. Among the names reporting this week, 3M, American Express, Blackstone, AT&T, Northrop Grumman, Norfolk Southern, Union Pacific, T-Mobile, and Visa. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. JetBlue and Spirit Airlines are appealing the decision to block their planned merger. It is a last-ditch effort to save a deal that analysts believe is essentially dead. Last week, a federal judge concluded the tie-up would lead to higher ticket prices or fewer choices for consumers. But late Friday, the carriers filed a one-sentence notice of appeal, and in a separate regulatory filing, Spirit said it believes a combination with JetBlue is the best opportunity to increase much-needed competition and choice. And we had shares in Spirit jumping as much as 17% in the late session after the appeal or the news of the appeal landed. Brian? 
Well, skepticism over Chinese assets is spreading now beyond stocks. That's as the latest data confirms the Chinese economy is stuck in the doldrums. Investors are expecting the yuan and government bonds also now to underperform. Mizuho, for instance, says pressure on the currency and the bank's narrow net interest margins will limit the central bank's room for cutting rates. Chinese banks will probably keep their loan prime rates on hold a little bit this late, uh, later this morning here on on Monday our time uh, and we will be watching that uh, for you. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors Inc. Joining us on the program is Jeannie Shianzano, professor, Bloomberg politics contributor and author of American Democracy in Crisis on Ron DeSantis dropping out of the 2024 race. Jeannie, thanks so much for being with us. So you hear a lot. uh, Funding is kind of running out and also that maybe just maybe DeSantis um, has kind of looked at the calculus and wants to preserve his political capital for 2028. What are you hearing? Yeah, I I think both of those things are true. He put all of his eggs in the Iowa basket to come up as short as he did, even though he got second place narrowly over Nikki Haley. Um, And then, as you mentioned, you know, anybody who had been watching up here where I am in New Hampshire, there hasn't been a pro-DeSantis ad on the airwaves, if you can believe it, since before Thanksgiving. He had no shot here. He's in the single digits. And then, of course, he was going to try to move maybe to South Carolina. He spent some time there and seemed to come up empty. But I'll tell you, you know, a campaign implosion like I don't think we've seen in the modern era from start to finish. The rocky Twitter live stream start to a really, really devastating finish today. Um, when he suspended his campaign. And not a surprise that he would go on to endorse the front runner, Donald Trump, right? No, not a surprise at all. You know, I think one thing that we forget is that in 2016, Trump did not even get his first endorsement from a sitting senator until February of that year. At this point, he has almost more institutional support in terms of endorsements than any non-incumbent in modern history. His endorsements have been remarkable. Of course, I think, you know, the Tim Scott endorsement the other day, a blow to Nikki Haley. And, you know, Ron DeSantis, like everyone else, they think they see the writing on the wall that Donald Trump has pretty much wrapped this up and they don't want to be left behind in a Republican Party that is owned by Donald Trump. Well, Nikki Haley doesn't think that uh, it, it's uh, basically a done deal. And, of course, we know from history that sometimes uh, if you don't win in Iowa, you can still go on and, and get the nomination. Uh, but I meant what you say. It, it, it sounds pretty obvious. And the other big story is how Nikki Haley is really taking on President Trump or former President Trump in some of the comments that he's made as he's had some gaffes. Yeah, that's right. And I do want to say to your point, and New Hampshire is, you know, famous for its surprises. It could deliver one on Tuesday, just as John McCain and Hillary and Bill Clinton. So a lot of surprises could be in store. And even if she comes in a second, she certainly could continue. Um, that said, she has been hitting him hard in the last few days on the campaign trail. 
as she crisscrosses this state. And, of course, a lot of these are self-inflicted wounds on the part of the former president. And, you know, I heard you playing earlier one of those clips where he confuses her with Nancy Pelosi. And then, as she said on CBS this morning, this is something he has done repeatedly. He's, you know, not sure who he's running against, seems to think he's running against Barack Obama. She is raising the question of his age and his cognitive ability, as she has done throughout the campaign. But you hear here a lot of supporters and never Trumpers say they wish she had done this as vociferously earlier than she has. And they wish she had not reneged on that debate with Ron DeSantis because she needs as much of an opportunity to be on the airwaves and change what seems to be the momentum of Donald Trump here. So, Jeannie, am I right? New Hampshire has an open primary, which will allow not only independents, but perhaps some Democrats to throw their support behind Haley, right? That's right. You know, you can um, come in here and and you can play if you are an independent, a, a moderate, a Democrat in the Republican primary. And so I think if Nikki Haley has a, a surprise on Tuesday night in store, it is going to be because she has enormous turnout, which is a possibility. The weather is supposed to be pretty good. And because she wins independence. Nobody wins the New Hampshire primary without winning big independence. So look for a big turnout night and look for a big turnout among independents who go her way. That'll be the key for Nikki Haley to get a close second or a surprise win in New Hampshire. And some people may not realize this, but you have about 265,000 registered uh, Democratic and Republican voters, and you have about 350,000 independents. Uh, So there's a lot of muscle there that can swing in a certain direction. But the question, uh, I think, is, has she done the the legwork there? Because that was one of the, the issues, was that in the past, you had debates where somebody like Clinton performed very well, or you had somebody who was on the road in New Hampshire a lot. Did Nikki Haley put in that work? She put in work, but we do hear people here saying that they wish she had gone stronger against Trump. Very hard to do, given how this party is constructed now, but they wish she had gone stronger against Trump. And to your point, they wish that she had taken every opportunity to be on the airwaves. Now, that said, she does have a lot of money and a lot of support. She spent $4 million in, or she is spending $4 million in advertising here just since Iowa. And if they can get out, you know, the Secretary of State here is saying there's about maybe 320000 plus the American for Prosperity tax, saying they'd be more in terms of turnout on Tuesday, that would really hold her in good stead to get the numbers that she needs an uphill battle but if she can have something of a perfect night here that is still possible and again new hampshireites will tell you all the time they like to deliver surprises they don't like the media or anybody else commentators and others to say that they knew what was going to happen in New Hampshire. So there could be a surprise here. When you look at some of the political action committees, and I'm thinking of the one that is Koch-backed in particular, what what type of support, broad support, does Haley enjoy? She enjoys enormous support, both on the airwaves and, importantly, in terms of organizations. Since this is now and has been for a while a battle of turnout, that's critically important. And another thing she has on her side, or I should say person, is the governor, very popular, Chris Sununu, who has endorsed her and has been out on the airwaves. He is very popular with independent moderates, of course, Republicans and some Democrats. And of course, when you are a sitting governor with the support he has, you also have a ground game. 
So she may benefit from that ground game as well. And we haven't mentioned this, but she did get an important endorsement today from the New Hampshire union leader. It's a conservative editorial board. They endorsed her today. And so she is getting support here in New Hampshire on the ground and organizationally that can help her. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.